Welcome to Memphis Machine, a Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass. And I'm Carl Casperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. This episode was pretty fun. We talked to Tad Pearson. Of American Dream Safari, uh, courtesy of Logan Walker. Thanks, Logan. Thank you. Uh, we got to sit in his garage and residence. Yeah, and, res- and, and studio. art installation and studio. But we talk about, this was a very Memphis-centric, I mean, we're everything's pretty Memphis-centric, but we get into some very Memphis-centric-y areas. Memphis-eccentric-y. Uh, yes. Uh, because you know, Tad Tad loves Memphis. He's a well, world traveler. We're world traveler. Deep uh, thinker. Yes, I would say philosopher. Right. Yeah. Uh, he is the proprietor of American Dream Safari, which you can find at uh, memphistravel.com slash American Dream Safari. Uh, he responds actually uh, very quickly on Facebook. You can find him on Facebook and books tours to that. But you can book him for a tour. Uh, just drive around Memphis for about three or four hours, or you can have them drive you down to New Orleans. Right, following the, the Blues Trail. All of the Blues Trail. I mean, it's, it's he's all over the place. Um, so he was delightful. I hope this piques your interest into some historical, wide-ranging endeavors. conversation we had with very much. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy. Well, officially, Tad, thank you for hanging out with us on Memphis Machine. We are we are rolling. We are in the the depths. Of your facility here, your home, your uh, your art installation, studio. so to speak, yeah. your studio, the indoor trailer park, as yes. we call it. You know, that's that's what the that's what it's referred to. Airstreams, yeah. I've there? got two airstreams, but uh, I've also got two Scotties, and uh, those are kind of a, they're they're a brand of uh, trailer, but the airstreams are the well known you know aluminum yeah, trailer yeah. that are kind of iconic from the 50s and then the scotties are uh one is what they refer to as a, a canned ham you know but a little kind of a teardrop trailer i you know just got uh hooked on trailers years ago and moved them into a building and decided i'd just use that as my bedroom <laughs> how many do you have i've got two airstreams and two scotties two scotties yeah so i got four trailers uh would and- buy more if i you know that that would be my addiction you know, uh, <laughs> vintage trailers now now there's enough eye candy obviously this is an audio podcast but we are surrounded by books and um it reminds me actually of of, of my grandparents uh shed down by the lake uh my dad's my dad's dad just full of uh memorabilia and 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 whatnot i mean it's uh, is this stuff you've inherited or collected yourself or uh this is my just sort of general uh, collection of you know trivia flotsam and jetsam that is you know that, I've, that's I've a great to, term but i've hung on to you know <laughs> flotsam uh, and jetsam that right. is awesome we've got a hillary hillary clinton uh, uh action figure over here well, hillary reach over there carl and, and and pull the, bring that up to your right hillary uh, nutcracker it's yeah. Oh, it, it, oh it, my gosh! It's yeah. a. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! It's a, it's a nutcracker. It's a walnut. You know, pecan. <laughs> nut somebody gave me that for. I've got. I've also got an original uh, Jerry stunning. Lawler doll. Oh wow! Uh, right. It got to be worth some money, man. Yeah, it's good. You know. I mean, we've got and you've got African tribal uh, stuff in the corner here uh, with binocular. I mean, it is. Uh, Bukowski uh, poetry. It's it's all it's all here, man. I'd say you know this is kind of the repository of my life <laughs> so uh yeah so speaking of your life so how how yeah let's give us a little picture as to uh that's a big question man. right where did i get how did i get started uh well you noticed some of the african artifacts but uh i think you know the big theme that kind of runs through the course of my life is the road i've just liked to travel uh and had have had great opportunities to do some uh traveling in my life and uh, you know africa but also just you know as a teenager learning to drive and kind of exploring the roads uh fishing with my family up in canada uh so those weren't really jack kerouac road experiences but the idea of adventure and and uh you know vacation and just hitting the road yeah uh has always been appealing to me uh and so that quickly speeding forward in time that is my main business right now is that i give tours around town so it kind of evolved into uh getting an old car and and giving you know uh tours around memphis but tours around america uh 
the American Dream Safari is the name of my business. Yeah, my tour business. Yeah, and uh, that kind of encompasses my, uh, you know, uh, all the things that I love about life. You know, music, architecture, history. You know, cruising in a big car, looking out the window, uh, talking about this big subject called America. So, so you're based out of Memphis, obviously, but then how how far out do? Well, in the beginning, I went to the University of New Mexico, kind of lived out west, Route 66. So, in the very beginning of my tour business, I was doing big tours out west on Route 66. But I always loved the blues, and I organized a tour from New Orleans to Memphis. It was really going to go on to Chicago. Quite literally, the way the music, mig- the blues music, migrates out of the South, mm-hmm. and then as a you know a white teenager in America in the '60s, it comes back to us via the Stones and the Beatles and the Yardbirds oh, yeah. and all that, you know. And so I, that that I'd say that uh, for my tour business, I'm always looking for you know quintessential American themes: Route 66, the big Western landscape, you know, Blues Highway coming up through the Delta. New England Falls, uh, you know, uh, southeastern, you know, uh, Gator Swampland, you know, stuff like this. So those are those are kind of themes that I was looking for, you know, and uh, uh, you know, the, the the this area is rich in cultural history, music, right? Um, music, you know, race, agriculture. Uh, you know, I mean, whatever this, uh, you know, between Memphis and New Orleans is uh, fertile ground. <laughs> yeah. What What brought you here? I mean, to Memphis, uh, my tour here. business. I had already stopped. I was up and started. Uh, 1989. This yeah. is 30 years, man. Uh, uh, actually, April 25th was the start of my first tour in 1989. Huh. Wow. Uh, man. But. Uh, I had this idea of giving tours. My grandfather had a, a 1950 Buick. Mm-hmm. He bought brand new. And as a kid, uh, growing up, that was his car. He died. My aunt let me have it. I had that car as a hobby. And years later, I had this epiphany of giving tours in an old American car around America. I was go- I was going big. You know, I was going to go all around America. And uh, Western Route 66, you know, Highway 61, uh then in 1995, I had a, a blues tour organized from New Orleans to Memphis, and that was my first real foray into Memphis, and saw the lay of the land. I went to Graceland, and Elvis's car museum is a pink 55 Cadillac. I happened to be driving a 55 Cadillac. Uh, music was the theme of that tour, whether it was blues. Rock and roll, obviously, you know, emerges out of, you know, blues and country music and all that. And this this area is just rich in that heritage and tradition. So that was 1995. Uh, I saw things here and uh, decided to stay. That's how I that's how I got to Memphis. Right. Isn't that a Tom T. Hall song? You know, that's how I got to Memphis. It's usually a woman, is that what they say? Oh, it's <laughs> no. that's a great song. Now he's sitting in a bar, you know, telling a sob story to the guy next to him, you know, right. and like, you know, I love her and last I heard she was in Memphis and I followed her here and I'm looking for her, you know, and that's how I got to Memphis, you know. So that's Well, here's a big softball question. So how in your estimation, how unique is the uh the artistic cultural expression of, of the American experience to the rest of the world, like being being that you have been around some other places, why why is why is the American experience unique and how we've presented arts and culture? Man, uh, I would leave that to other people to to answer, and I've heard people of you know different backgrounds uh, say that. Their artistic expression couldn't have happened anywhere else but America. Mm-hmm. Whether it's someone who migrated here, uh, I heard Tony Bennett say that that he was very fortunate. Of it. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. said, you know, I mean, his uh, his experience could only have happened in America. Uh, and I think maybe it's just that this is the wild card, you know, uh, country in in America in that. Uh, Prior to America, you know, if you were in Nigeria, you were Nigerian. If you were in France, you were French. Yeah. If you were in Norway, you were Norwegian. You know, this was by accident, by, you know, all the, you know, good and bad and ugly history that we have in America. This is where the lucky break can happen, you know. And uh, 
And, and I think maybe now that America has set the pace in some ways, you know, and, and technology is spreading out there, that, that uh, certainly uh, Fela Kuti, the African right. singer, man, I mean, he was a, a giant star. I mean, he, he was the Elvis of Africa, if you will. I mean, I'm, I'm making that expression myself. But uh, so, so artistic expression can certainly happen in, all around the world. But I, th I think... Uh, Elvis, Paul Robeson, Andy Warhol, you know, uh, the list of American artists uh, is profound. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, as, as, as politically ugly things are, are currently <clears throat> or have been working towards, I'd, I'd love to think that arts could come out ahead in that race of, uh, of, of, of what America can give uh that's the only corner that i'm looking into i mean politicians obviously are you know <laughs> they're you know messing things up or not you know but they're that's a tawdry game yeah whereas uh you know uh just you know i don't i don't like to name drop but I got to give Kim Burns a, a tour the other day hey there you <laughs> go uh, yeah and uh but uh Ken Burns is a well-known documentary, American documentary uh, filmmaker, uh, chooses lots of, you know, very quintessential American themes, jazz, baseball, country music, uh, the Civil War, mm -hmm. you know, his, his focus is really on America. <clears throat> and PBS had a documentary on him a couple weeks ago that I was watching, and uh, I was just watching and thinking, like, you know, Trump is making so much you know noise and uh, you know there's a lot of in pop culture there's a lot of uh, uh you know marketing and advertising behind the hit you know yeah. maybe, which maybe has always been around but ken burns just strikes me as a guy that just slowly and ploddingly goes about his business of discovering the heart and soul of the country mm. you know and presents them in a in, in beautiful stories and uh so I think there's people out there working that we can still believe in, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, but I, I'd say the the business world sure looks messed up. I mean, they're, they're very successful people, but the nature of American business is, you know, go big or go home. It's right. huge. Politics is kind of a tawdry business, but the uh, you know the the art world still seems to have uh, some integrity. Yeah. So if we. If we could go back to, you, you mentioned that travel was always kind of a part of your upbringing and everything. But I mean, for me too. I mean, when I was able to do like travel on my own, right? There, there was a couple of trips that that really stood out to me. You know, what, uh, what about that for you? Like, what, um, what was the one that was just kind of like, yeah, kind of like the road? Well, prior to me being, uh, what's the self-conscious of my travels right you know just a family vacation and like hey we're packing the car right, we're exactly. going it's an adventure you know those were the, the the early ones you know uh my dad liked to fish uh we didn't you know we didn't do a lot of variety in vacations we went to this lake up in ontario every summer and uh he got to relax and fish and but just you know it was a two-day drive you crossed the border right. they were actually you know we would see you know native americans uh, you know up in that area N native canadians uh indigenous people or first nation um, people but you know the soda pops were different the money looks different you know <laughs> i mean just all these things like you know you're on an adventure yeah and uh so i think uh, I didn't have bad experiences with early vacations. You know, that was the big adventure. Like, wow, that was cool, man. Look forward to that, packing the car up. And uh, But as a uh, my own travels, I was kind of, you know, uh, a wild hare and went to – Went to college for a couple semesters, but it wasn't satisfying. I didn't have a direction of where I wanted to go. And I met a buddy, uh, 
we're still lifelong friends and he was kind of you know the same way we we pretended like we were you know Hemingway and Fitzgerald in the, in a cafe in Paris or some shit you know and mm. and uh, we're just always going to go for the big adventure and so we both quit college at the same time and went off in different directions to work and save some money we regrouped about you know uh, nine months later and we both had saved up enough money to go on a big adventure we did the quint you know the we flew to Europe this uh, was, when, when when is this Year? 1972. 72. Yeah. All right. 1973. Quit school in 72, and we did the adventure in, in 1973. Uh, but, it, but you know, we were hitchhiking around Europe a little bit, $5 a day, that kind of thing, yeah. staying in hostels. and it, But it wasn't really like, you know, the adventure, man. And uh, somebody had two round-trip tickets to Nairobi that they were selling cheap or something like no. that, you know. And we were like, yeah, let's go there. You know, we went to, we got to East Africa and that, you know, that hitchhiked through the game parks, uh, climbed Kilimanjaro, you know, just backpacked. Uh, then later reading came, but Nate, guys, names uh, Bruce Chatwin, Peter Matheson, Paul Thoreau. Uh, these guys are contemporary road writers. Yeah. Uh, but they, those guys had a serious bent to them, whereas Kerouac sort of has the uh, cultural adventure in hand. But Peter Matheson was a, was a bird watcher. Bruce Chatwin was, you know, going out on the road to explore indigenous cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so I was kind of, that, that's who I wanted to be, you know, was yeah. a, sort of that uh, anthropologist out there, you know. Yeah, but also, you know... Uh, tasting the local culture you know and uh seeing what it had to offer but uh but that was a, a turning point in my life i mean that was a, yeah. you know and uh, uh joseph campbell do we you know does that name ring a bell sure. you know yeah. joseph campbell excuse me no i'm sorry catch <laughs> uh hero of a thousand faces uh <laughs> God, I just I uh, Joseph King, Joseph Conrad right. wrote Heart of Sorry. Darkness. Uh, Joseph Conrad wrote a book, uh, uh, several books, but he, he wrote uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces. I have not read no. that. Uh, well, um, it's it's an anthropology book. Uh, the quick synopsis on Joseph Campbell is that he, he was a college teacher, and one winter he took all the big books up into a remote cabin and spent the winter reading all the big books. You know, Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, the Bible, uh, you know, uh, all the big books. And he began to see a theme where a hero is called to a journey. He goes on this journey. He goes out and touches the magic, sees the secrets, returns to the village with the secrets and and uh star wars is based on this okay. you know uh i mean just the real stories that grab you <clears throat> they could be told in a modern way but if they if you look into them the reason they're really you know grabbing your soul as a story is because uh they're <clears throat> connected to this sort of not from joseph campbell but from the history of human literature concept it, of the hero the concept of the hero is yeah. you know i mean jesus himself he went to yeah he, he he went to the mountaintop to you mm -hmm. know and and you know received the the, the message and uh returns anyway uh, a lot of those books and a lot of those authors came later so i felt kind of i was just stumbling my way into the road you know yeah. and and the journey and then it became legitimate body of literature that i could actually uh you know believe in chart my course you know by uh, using those masters man that's awesome so so what what about memphis you know has reflects that what, what is, is are there aspects of of the city that that you uh i that think do that for you yeah man uh memphis is a is an interesting american town i mean uh you know, in contemporary American, uh, I don't know that we're losing our history, but we're losing our architecture, you know, mm -hmm. across America, and not just yeah. uh, Memphis. I mean, you know, New York City has 
lost a lot of its old architecture and then built new you know austin nashville if you've been in nashville lately you know it's uh you know architecturally so i think aside from my own opinion i think what i the reaction i get from tourists that take my tour as we cruise around it feels like an old town like there's still some history there there is history here and there are remnants of that history in that's the building where such and such happened that's the spot where you know such and such happened and whether it's sun studio and that's where elvis recorded or uh you know uh slave haven you know uh up in north memphis uh the architecture so the stories are uh are still here and i think uh you know the the blues scene is starting obviously the 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 first generation of blues players is long gone the mm -hmm. second generation would maybe i'd say bb king's era you know those guys are uh, obviously at the tail end of their if they're still around you know right. uh but i got lucky to just sort of see that and if there is a sort of a joseph campbell hero in the in the myth i mean the blues man is the journeyman you know the, the true blues man that uh there's an author from Chicago, David White is, and, and he described the blues man as sort of a, a shaman that gets in front of the audience and in a quasi-religious way, he takes on our pain for us and he's up there in front of the audience crying and releasing all this. And it, it's a little like church, but it's Saturday night. You know, it's not really church. And uh, anyway, that's the deeper appeal for what a, you know, a blues man in front of an audience can really deliver he you know they're singing about pain but there's they're taking on our pain so we can uh what's well, not the word extrapolate it but uh cathartic cathartic yeah. you know that he's gonna do our weeping and crying for us and you know and uh, and we feel better afterwards because we've been we've done this you know this sort of communal uh that's, that's probably effort, not as easy you know. a thing he's atoning for us <laughs> you know. yes right I mean, it, well, in I was Take it say, easy, Carl. I was going to say it's probably not as easy a thing to market as as more the escapism of of, of pop music and and just as a tour. You mean or, or, to, to market or, 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 it or, or just in as general, music. right? Yeah, as, right. As music. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, like that's. I mean, if someone is attracted to a blues to blues music, that yeah. that there's something going on beyond just a teenage. Yeah. Although, although, although this this town has celebrated, you know, artists that were a teenage phenomenon, yeah. but still had deeper threads going. I, that's that's really interesting. Well, I think Alex Chilton's a good example of that. Oh, man. He, I mean, he was given pop stardom, yeah, and rejected it, you know, and said that's not enough, you know. And uh, uh, that would be uh, that would be uh, Elvis was given pop stardom and i would say maybe elvis didn't know how to escape that he didn't know how to reject it you know and say no i want quality over was that his always wanting to reach into his gospel roots type of thing or yeah is, i think is, the gospel is, music was you know every artist when they're starting out i, I presume um, certainly musical artists have an idea of what they want to achieve you know yeah. and, and certainly you want to get a hit record on the radio or some variation thereof, you know. But then pop stardom can take over and suddenly the, you know, the record executives are saying, you're going to sing this song, this is, we're going to shape you yeah. to be this product. And that certainly happened to Elvis, but I think because he was truly a, a, a true artist, he struggled within that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think, whereas Chilton, I think, escaped that cycle <laughs> you know and uh went in a non-pop star route i don't elvis never quite could shake right. uh, the, the the talons of colonel parker and uh and, and and just the he and i think he enjoyed the the benefits of a of commercial success right you know buying cadillacs and and all that but at some point, I think the the real quality music kind of dries up for Elvis. It doesn't get to him, mm -hmm. and and as a true artist, he he needed that. He kind of artistic starvation maybe is what killed Elvis. You know, yeah. I don't know. But is is that the urban legend I've heard though that he he wanted to do a a full you know a southern gospel project and never never happened? Uh, haven't heard that. I know, I know 
he wanted to do some bigger movie roles hmm. and you know if you in some of the biographies they talk about how as supremely confident Elvis was in his skills Colonel Parker could somehow you know get to him and say oh you want to do that well it could be the ruin of your career. It could be all over if you make that decision. You go ahead and do it. But, but it, you know, and Elvis would cave. Uh, he was offered the, the script uh, to the movie A Star is Born oh, wow. instead of Chris Christopherson. And uh, he wanted to do it. Uh, he thought that was going to be a, a, you know, a real meaty role. That, and uh, Colonel Parker kind of did that to him. You know, like, well, okay, if that's your decision, you do uh. it. But uh, it ain't going to work, you know. The, the artistry of passive aggressive right <laughs> parenting yeah right, right right oh my gosh so so what what can you without spilling too much about your tour like what how what is the shape of your tour here in memphis well the, the, the i'd say the big themes the three you know that people really come here for uh elvis the blues and civil rights history mm, i mean yeah. those are you know the the, the uh some people come here for the architecture, some, you know, barbecue, and, and, you know, Memphis in May, or there's reasons why they come at that particular time, but, uh, and with those three themes, you can cover a lot of ground that's not necessarily, you're not always talking about Elvis or B.B. King or Martin Luther King, but you're talking about those phenomenons, uh, and, and Memphis is, is a, uh, is a good town to have that, uh, discussion in, because, you know, we're right at the top end of the Delta, definitely a southern town. Race is a huge subject here, whether you're talking about it or not. I mean, it's, you know, it's a town that is predominantly black. Uh, black culture has had a, a profound effect on this on this town, culturally, right. mm -hmm. you know, and I mean in a positive way. You know, uh, music, food, day-to-day -day life, ambiance, speed of the town, you know, whatever, it just is a little easygoing and... Uh, uh, people aren't in too big of a hurry here, um, but uh, those are kind of what the way I can. I mean, the way I conduct my tour is not so much that uh, I'm going to do all. I'm going to do all. I'm going to do a lot of the talk, and I'm you've I'm you've hired. I'm been hired because I'm the expert, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, it, it's the tour is conducted in a way that the passenger is going to be able to contribute you know mm -hmm. when did you first fall in love with elvis oh really tell me your story you know wow you were 15 and you know something happened uh you know uh a type of customer i get on a not infrequently is a 55 60 year old man who when they were young they were in a band they loved the blues marriage came along responsibility came along uh they took you know they had to t take care of all that yeah. now but they kept their base and the you know tuned up or they kept their telecaster you know they didn't sell it and uh, now they're kind of getting back into it and they got a 15 year old kid and they want that kid to see where the music came from yeah that they you know grew up loving so that's not that's not that's a, a very typical uh, theme that I would get. You know, is is a you know, a, you know, a dad that you know wants to go back and explore the, where this music came from that he loved as a you know as a young man. Nice. So uh, you you, pro yeah. you provide like a quick inoculation of uh, of that. I I, mean, I, I definitely you know, what, yeah. uh, the, the tagline of my tour is uh, you know the difference between a tour and an experience. I mean, I really don't think of myself. I mean, they're tours. That that's the sure. That's the short. F you know the shorthand of what you can tell people I'm a, I give tours, but no, I guide people through experiences, man. It's a, it's a, you know, and and uh, uh, I don't know if I could completely you know define it. I don't know that I really would want to, but uh, you know, Memphis has just got uh, you know an ambiance, yeah, a, an appeal that uh, just riding around in it and and looking out the window and and seeing it. Uh, tells its own story, you know. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, yeah, I've, as I've brought up so many times, I've been here coming up on seven years now. No, do I not bring that up? You thought I was going to bring up something else. I'm not going to bring that up. Really? No, I'm not. I'm just going to say that I'm. I'm still. I'm, I'm becoming more and more a fan of Memphis. Is that? Is that? Is that? Is that? A, can I say that? Is that right? absolutely? Okay. 
<laughs> so, so, um, uh, you know, maybe this is one time I wish we, we, we would video this place, but you'll, you know, do, do you open this for public uh, consumption? Well, uh, your, uh, your lair. So it's my. It's. It's my private residence. I mean, it's, it's a right. live workspace. I'm, you know, all these, you know, all these art apartment, all these apartments downtown. They're being advertised as lofts. You know, yeah, those are one room apartments, man. Yeah, you know, a loft to me is like, you know, rough brick walls. You know, maybe the toilet. You know, maybe you got a toilet. You know, or whatever. Maybe but, you have walls around it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you might have get lucky, uh, and then you create. Your, you know, you're creating your own space in mm-hmm. there. That to me is is kind of loft living. So uh, this is a pretty. You know, uh, it was a old mechanics garage uh, when I moved in here. That was functioning as a mechanics garage, and then I just moved a couple trailers in and realized, you know, hey, I could you know crash here, and then it became this uh, indoor trailer park. But it's a it's a studio for me. Uh, not a, a recording studio, but a uh, art studio. Art studio. Yeah, so I can an, work. I can work here. Yeah, you're an artist, craftsman. Uh, I craftsman is craftsman is uh, the, uh, probably a word I'm more comfortable with. I mean, it emerges into art, but you know, skills that you develop with your hands, uh, welding, you know, painting, carpentry, and and so if you have if you've got a work studio where you just got your tools laid out, you know, it's not like I think it would be hard for me to, you know, have a studio across town. Like, okay, it's Tuesday. Every Tuesday from ten to twelve, right. I go there and work. You know, to to produce things. Yeah. Or be a, a same with a writer. You know, like I'm going to go to my writing studio and write. You know, I, I mean that might. I I just I'm twenty feet from my studio, so. Yeah. You know, two in the afternoon. I need some. I need to finish something for thirty. You know, work on it for thirty minutes and then let it glue dry. And your stuff's ready you know? to go. And it's just all spread out and I don't have to clean it up and put it It's back, like when you're you know? a kid and you wanted to play with G.I. Joes, right? You get them all set up right. for battle and then that takes a good 30 minutes and then you're ready to play and then you don't want to play anymore because you've done all the work right. setting up the stuff getting ready to play. <laughs> or, you, you know, mom, right. you know, clean up your room. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, so, so there, I think uh, it's a, it's kind of an interesting, I mean, uh, so I open it. I mean, I have had some great parties here. Uh, it's not a business that's open for party rentals or anything yeah. like that, but, uh, because I, you know, I live and work here, but, uh, certainly, you know, I've had some, a CD release, a couple CD release parties here. Uh, Indy Memphis had a party here last, uh, at the end of their week long run of films. And, uh, it was just it was a blast awesome man. it was a it was a good party i've had some i've had some good ones so describe your art describe the the tire art you have going here uh I mean, is that the main uh uh yeah I, I, medium so, so as an you know an artist I, i'm not painterly i i don't know you know i can't render a uh i didn't go to art school you know i mean i, I can't uh do drawings or anything like that so I'd, I'd say my work is you know falls it's not really folk art because i'm you know i'm self-taught but i'm you know college educated and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not uh, it, it's not i, I don't know what folk and that's what folk art is but it, it assemblage art you know it kind of it falls into those outsider art maybe uh if you know falls into those categories but uh god man 15 20 i've years ago uh I started painting tires for flower planters and, you know, just goofy things. I grew up in Kansas, and down those country roads, a farmer would hang up a tire on a fence post and paint, you know, no hunting allowed, no fishing allowed, no trespassing. And uh, so I started painting on tires, uh, no fishing allowed, but I would spell it A-L-O-U-D, you know, like, yeah. you can fish here, but you just can't, you know, <laughs> so, no fishing allowed, you know, no no hunting allowed, you can, you know, yeah. and uh, anyway, I, I was going to just, you know, in my own little uh, Banksy way, you know, I was going to like, you know, paint these tires and run down country roads and, and hang these misspelled uh, sayings <laughs> along the country roads, you know, and like, yeah, you know, no hunting allowed, you know. Nice. And uh, anyway, uh, that just, you know, just for a goof. And then they got more elaborate and more elaborate. And then I moved into here, into the building and had a studio where I could really, you know, cut and shape things and, and, and again, leave projects out over a period of time so uh i've you know i've I've got some of it's uh i'd say pure art in that it's uh assembly you know 
shards of tires that I find on the highway just randomly driving down and there's an exploded tire on the side of the highway and I pick it up and then you know put those pieces in the shape of a flower uh, in the shape of you know something uh, resembling a cotton bowl or you know things like that so that that's my assemblage art but then uh, I started making tire chairs I like functionality too in my art and I started making tire chairs uh, tire trash cans, tire ties, uh, you know, just anything I can think, kind of think of that uh, you know is creatively. So, did you say Indie Memphis a minute ago? Indie Memphis, yeah. the film festival had a had a, a closing party here. Did you happen to do? Uh, Luann mentioned, and we can totally edit this out if this is a spoiler. Uh, dashboard, the theater, the the projection thing. Oh, she she brought that up. Huh? I'll have to talk. <laughs> See, we can. We can. Uh, no, that, that that that's a that's a real cool project that I'm working on. Uh, I give tours for a living, so I'm sit behind the wheel. Sometimes not. I mean, I I I see my customers' faces more than just this, but I see my customers in the rearview mirror. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not sitting with them and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, eyeball to eyeball, or uh, you know, in that you know kind of a, a situation so one time i was thinking about i need to maybe you know broaden out my uh not my skills but um it's possible i could be hired as a public speaker mm -hmm. rotary club luncheon speaker you know and talk about tourism and talk about memphis tours uh but i don't like the, i didn't want like the idea of standing at a podium facing the audience and talking that way because what I do for a living is to sit with you behind me right so I created this dashboard from an old car uh, an actual old car and I built a large kind of comic oversized rearview mirror to go with it and so it's basically my PowerPoint presentation is shining is showing up on the wall and I'm sitting there with a dashboard in front of me and a fake steering wheel and, I'm, and I can make eye contact with the audience in the rearview mirror <laughs> and so I basically can then can do the the rotary I'm using that as a example but uh, you know uh, uh, and take you on a little you know mini yeah. tour it's a, it would be a, a good advertisement for my tour company the american dream safari but also just be as as an ambassador for tourism and as an ambassador for you know memphis there's a lot of things i think i can do with it but basically it's that it's recreating you know a tour but it's it's more controlled almost like a driving simulator it's like a drive it is like a driving simulator and and so I can get, I can, you know, video, still pictures, yeah. uh, sound effects. Drinks. Well, <laughs> I, I, one thing, I mean, a scenario that I think I, I'd like to, you know, I get in the car, we're going to take a little tour of Memphis. So we're driving around for about 20 minutes and there's, you know, you know, pictures of Memphis and I'm talking about the history of Memphis and blah, blah, blah. And, uh. Hey, look, some neon up the road. Oh, yeah, this is a roadhouse. This is a blues juke joint. This is a place I love to go. We're going to pull up to it. And some friends of mine, we're doing this here maybe, and some friends of mine that are musicians are set up to play. We're going to take a little 20-minute break, go in, euphemistically speaking. <laughs> and, uh, and and so they're going to you know play some music. Uh-oh, honk the horn. Time to get rolling again. Mm -hmm. we got to get back in the car, You know, do another 20 minutes in the in the. Uh, in the it's basically a PowerPoint presentation, if you will, or whatever. <laughs> That's great. You know? That's cool. And then uh, maybe pull over at another neon sign for, you know, some more music, and then finish it out. So it would be, uh, you know, maybe a two-hour gig of, you know, f uh, a party. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it's fun to have creative ideas that you can just, you know, when you're going to sleep at night, man, and you just kind of let your mind, you know go off and explore you know uh you know plan think and plan and uh, create those things so that's one of my projects that i'd like to work on uh so in, in that sense you know that that's an art it's something of an artistic endeavor it's not you know pure art but it is uh, uh that that's why i'm sort of reluctant to call myself an artist per se but i think what i do is is artistically uh motivated yeah you know so where are some of your favorite places to go in town? Uh, for music? 
Yeah, or just or, in general. Or just yeah. Man, I you know. Uh, I well, mean, obviously, you've created an amazing space that here. You know, I mean, it, we won't take your answers as, as excluding no, other I places. Mean, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I like to stay home. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, well, I I love to. I mean. I like to just go right around. I, I, for me, a busman's holiday is I get the day off and I, you know, I get in the car and I go just go right around just mm. to look at shit, you know. <laughs> uh, but a little bit like Albuquerque. Have you ever been to Albuquerque or know, other I towns? I mean, South Valley and Albuquerque was crummy, but just lots of stuff, man. Yeah. You know, and you're riding around like, wow, look at that old building. It's empty, man. We could, I could do something with that. Or, you know, there's a used car lot, man, with a bunch of, you know, just junker cars on it, you know, and just, st- I just like old signs, you know, I like, so when I just go cruise, man, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not knocking Germantown, but I don't just cruise around in the suburbs, you know, sure. or yeah. uh, the nicer parts of town. I like to go to, you know, the north side. The north side's real fun because there's a lot of, you know, burned out in, uh, industrial landscapes up there with, you know, just stuff laying around, man, you know, broken cranes and, you know, abandoned trucks and <laughs> shit like that. So that's the landscape that I like to look at, you know. Um but uh, in terms of music over the years, I love the blues music, but also I like the lifestyle that goes around it. Uh, jazz, maybe. I mean, opera. You don't go hear some opera and then go to the little corner bar and they're singing opera in the bar, you right. know, and living an opera life, you know, or whatever that might be. But with the blues, uh, it's the culture within the club itself that is fascinating and, and people really kind of live in the life in song that you're hearing, you know. So I, I, I've, I've had great uh, good fortune. I mean, you know, I came late to the scene, but, uh, you know, I mean, there were legendary blues clubs in memphis before i got here but uh uh, jesse's place on mississippi is a great one wild bills of course is still a legendary uh juke joint i like uh, man i i I gotta say i have a real fondness for a a nice quiet bar that's got a good juke joint ernestine and hazel's is you know a good example of that you know not maybe when it's slammed but on a quiet tuesday night when it's raining and jukebox is playing your favorite song you know uh i love that kind of stuff is it fair to ask you what your thoughts are on beale street uh I take it for what it is. I mm-hmm. certainly know the history of, the, and I feel a little sad that a lot of that history, physically, you know, we just have that one short remnant of, right. of Bill Street. But uh, I got to say, living four or five blocks from here, and because I can cherry pick it, you know, and go down there on a Tuesday night, you know, going down to Bill Street on a Saturday night after a big football game, and it's just like wall yeah. to wall, may not be, you know. Uh, the best time to go down there but uh tuesday night earl the pearl earl the pearl is the real deal mm-hmm. blind mississippi morris is playing down there five right. to seven on a wednesday he's he's the real deal man uh, man i was you know i was at bb king's a couple of weeks ago with some clients and uh the king bees were playing i would say for those of us that live here and get a heavy dose of those bands you get to hear the same song over a, a, a lot, yeah. but if you're going down there fresh, those are top musicians. Yeah. I mean, you can't be a slouch and play at Blue City Cafe right. or Rum Boogie Cafe. Eric Hughes, mm-hmm. big time entertainer, man. You know, and is always uh, so. So for people that are kind of you know knocking Beale Street, and, yeah, you can't ever find the blues down there anymore. You know. It, it's still there, man. I mean, uh, uh, Vince Johnson and the and the you know Plantation All Stars are. I was down there with a group a couple of weeks ago, and these guys knew their music, and uh, Bill Street blew their minds. Oh, cool! You know that that's great. That we to had hear. that quality of music just on a, you know, I think it was a Wednesday night, man. Yeah, and yeah. and 
uh, you know Club, you know Handy's Blues Hall. Yeah. You know that next door to Rum Boogie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this sounds so you know corny, but those two clubs are connected by a, a side door. You know that you, right. can, you can go from one to the other. Well, if you don't know that, and somebody's like, "Hey, man, come here, I'm going to show you this little club," you know, and you go in there, and <laughs> come on, follow me, we're going to go to another one. You know, instead of going out and paying another cover charge, you're kind of right. weaving through these places. I mean, it's like, whoa, man, <laughs> you know, this is really cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think you know Bill Street still delivers the goods, but uh, 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 at the top end of Bill, uh, what I would call the opposite end of BB King's, uh, Lou's Blue Note, Miss Nikki's playing down there every weekend. You know she's the real deal, man. Mm. Uh, Ernest Withers Photography Museum yeah. is is you know uh, well worth the experience. I. You know, I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, you know watered down. You know, maybe I, I I still see a. I also what I like to see is a mix of white and black people partying together. Yeah, and feeling you know, and and everybody just you know, I mean, yes, okay, people get shot, whatever. You know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that happens. You know, but uh, but I think we're I think. I think the racial mood in Memphis is cool, man. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, and and I think that's an important factor. That's cool. Say la, as we say, take a little break. This has been going great, man. This is this has been going really well, Tad. Appreciate it. Well, good. Well, don't get me started. Man. Oh man, no. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else you want to jump on, or something that's kind of like? Uh, no, I'm I'm following the. The line of questioning. Well, that's you know, our interrogations going on. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I get you, know. <laughs> you no, got the cool. light above you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lo- Logan. I don't know where I was on April thirteenth at ten thirty. Is that your monkey statue right there? That's that mine. Yeah, that's with the uh, with uh, well, I somebody posted they had a little doll and they'd stuck some you know. And it was Donald Trump, and I thought it was hilarious. And I, one day I was just sitting there, like you know, staring at things. And I looked over, and I was like, "Oh no, oh no, oh yeah, I gotta do it." Logan, is there anything we should we should touch on? Kind of hitting hitting the points. I'd be interested in knowing who his hero is a Memphis artist besides the bluesman. So touching back on on the hero theme, do, do you have other modern day or as far as heroes uh, that that you? Uh, aspire to or, or recall fondly you know that's uh that's an interesting uh thought because i do think that uh the spirit of the town if you will have been uh been based on you know wild card gamblers that you know took a chance didn't know what they were going to get out of it uh succeeded sam phillips perfect example of that Kemmons Wilson I mean Elvis uh, even B.B. King man you came to Memphis to catch their lucky break yeah. you know and uh, I just think I like that spirit as opposed to I'm not picking on New York or nothing like that but you know you probably don't go into New York wanting to work on Wall Street thinking you're going to roll the dice and you know uh and be a maverick you know i mean you kind of got to get in line and and play the game and and you'll make a ton of money but uh you know they want predictability there well i think the you know the the nature of the of the characters over the years uh in memphis you know the stories that i think are you know fun to tell and stuff like that are are people that in my own way, that's what I'm trying to do is, you know, uh, you know, make something happen out of just my own uh, ideas. So hmm. uh, certainly Sam Phillips is, uh, uh, but it, but it, in in my world that I live in, uh, I don't hang out with people that work at FedEx. Not that I don't, but I mean, that I'm an entrepreneur and it, whether it's the nature of the beast or these are the times we're living in or whatever but almost everybody that i know that i hang with on a daily basis uh it owns their own little business or has got their yeah. own hustle that they're working on you know yeah. uh when, meaning <clears throat> corporate people i mean i certainly know those kinds of people yeah but uh well i might, I might be reaching here but do you think the the kind of the transient history of memphis the incubator sort of 
role it's played has anything maybe long-term to do with that, that sort of mentality? Uh, Which is a good mentality, actually, to me. I mean, there, there take may, a chance. I mean, know? there may be a side to Memphis that is, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, controlled, steady, <laughs> march forward, you know, right. rise to the top. But it seems like that the, you know, the, the wild card characters that we love in this town are people that, you know, uh, were desperate. Last chance. Hmm. WC Handy. You know, Sam Phillips is down to his last. You know, whatever, ten bucks. Uh, I think that that kind of has left its imprint, so that the town maybe is more tolerant of, or, and maybe even seeking. You know, those kinds of people to come in and and. Uh, uh, you know, do their thing here. Whereas, I, I, I've never lived in Dallas, or but I mean, it, it's, you know, I just think that there's there's a there's sort of the the spirit of you know the wild card uh, in Memphis, and, uh, and and so those you know the uh, the people that uh, I mean there have been people in my personal life. A guy named Jimmy Denson who grew up in Lauderdale Courts uh, knew Elvis. He wasn't successful as a businessman but he was a storyteller and he showed me uh he was born in 1928 hmm. so the 1930s the 1940s the 1950s were his his era and so the a lot some of the stories certainly some of the impressions that i have of old memphis as a town kind of came from meeting older people like jimmy denson that you know uh he, uh, Jimmy Denson was a tumbling, he was a Golden Gloves boxer. He was a tumbling champion. He was a championship diver. By the time I knew him, he was in his mid-70s, maybe. Wow. And uh, I would go visit him in his little apartment, and he would break out these old yellow newspapers. And there's a picture of 10-year-old Jimmy going off the high dive. He won the city champion, you know, diver that summer, you know. And, and he's in a big swan dive, you know. And, and it's a yellow old newspaper. And, and, and he delivered the newspapers, and, and he told me, you know, his spot was... Union and Third Street, I, I, but it was territorial. You're a news, you know, you're selling newspapers right. on the street, and it's territorial. And so he, you know, he had his corner, man, and you mm. know, and and he was just this tough little kid that, you know, knew Johnny and Dorsey Burnett, knew Elvis, you know, knew a lot of these characters, and uh, uh, he was a he was a, a great hero of mine, man. I liked him. He died a few years ago, and it was a. Uh, his his family was uh, raconteurs for sure, but uh, Jimmy's family I think were, there were ten kids, and his parents ran the Poplar Street Mission in the 1930s, and this is when it was you know soup kitchen lines and desperate, but you know seven nights a week you'd go to the mission to get a little bite to eat, and there would be shake the tambourine, save your soul for gospel. Uh, Jimmy's parents ran that. And I'm not like I'm going off, you know, off record on this, but I think this is how it happened. But uh, if you grew up around Memphis, before the casinos came in, they had bingo parlors mm. and churches ran the bingo parlors. Mm. The church license that his parents started fell into the hands of his younger sister, Virginia, and she took her church you know, it was an organized, you know, church, and she took it just across the state line in Mississippi, back in the '80s, maybe, and uh, started a church down there that was a bingo parlor. <laughs> it really wasn't. I mean, it was a church, and she it. made a ton of money. <laughs> And then the casinos came in in what the mid '90s yeah. or the early '90s, something right. like that, and kind of squelched her business, but. Mm. Uh, Inner faith, inner man, the inner man church of faith or something like that. If you went out toward Tupelo on Highway 78, off, just as you got into Mississippi, off to the right was this inner man church of faith. I met Virginia Fay a couple times and she... I mean, there's still a bingo parlor right there on Craft Road, right? I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably, I mean, it's been there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And that was... That was Probably her kids now have the, the church license <laughs> wow. to, to do that or whatever. <laughs> man. But, uh, 
uh, and I got anyway. Uh, uh, Jimmy died, and uh, four or five years ago, and one of his sisters called up and said, "You know, I knew you loved Jimmy, and and he would just loved you, and and we'd like for you to speak at the funeral." Oh wow! And uh, so I, I went out there, and and it was one of those things where they, it was kind of a, you know, a, a minister for rent, <laughs> and uh, a few of the family members, and and. You know, four or five other people that were strangers, you know, and it was kind of one of those, you know, nobody remembered him in the end, you know. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a... it was poignant. But I felt I felt good. But I, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, um, Jimmy had a younger brother named Jesse Lee Denson. And Jesse Lee Denson was going to be a, rockin', uh, a rockabilly star in the mid-50s. This is at Lauderdale Courts where Elvis grew up. And uh, Jesse Lee Denson was bona fide. He had some records out. And as a teenager, everybody was like, that kid's going to make it someday. Yeah. And Johnny and Dorsey Burnett lived in the neighborhood of the rock and roll trio. Bill Black lived in the neighborhood. You know, uh, And Elvis was this kind of, you know, scrawny kid that really couldn't play <laughs> guitar much and Elvis goes on to get the brass ring and yeah. be the rock and roll star and Jesse Lee is forgotten in history mm. so many of the stories that both Jesse Lee and Jimmy told me that in the stairwell at Lauderdale Courts is where Jesse Lee Denson would sit and practice and you know, Elvis would come in the stairwell and, you know, and hey, show me a couple of chords. And he, and he, you know, not like he taught Elvis how to play guitar, but, you know, they, they, these are just kids hanging out. Yeah. They're in the stairwell. And as Jimmy told the story, the stairwell gave him good echo. And if the Charlie Feathers hiccup, you know, that's in that kind of rockabilly, I, I can't do it, but it's mm-hmm. a rockabilly hiccup, you know. Mm-hmm. Jesse Lee could do that. And in the stairwell, and he's, you know, kind of, anyway, Elvis is admiring this. So Jimmy dies, I go to the funeral, speak at the funeral, and afterwards we go to his uh, older sister, there's only a few of the Densons now remaining at the at the f- time of the funeral, and we go to um, uh, Dolores' house after the funeral for food and, you know, just hanging out with the family and stuff like that, and two of Jimmy's nieces now not his, his sister's kids or some of them they're there and you know they start singing and it's a family gathering and they all you know and they start singing some old gospel songs and one of them had a guitar and one of them turns to the other and says where's jesse lee's old guitar oh it's behind the couch well let me see it and they pull out this what do they call him a dreadnought or just a big Bach gibson mm-hmm. you know and it was old and that was jesse lee's guitar and as they didn't say this, but I was like, "That's the guitar he taught Elvis to play yeah. on." The stairwell, right? you know, in the stairwell, and that was in sitting behind the couch. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, those that was that was a pretty cool thing That's for weird. me to get to see. You know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we were. I don't know if that talk about heroes, but uh, you know, I think that's a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Oh gosh. So how do people get a hold of you and uh, and uh, uh, experience Memphis through your lens? Well, you know, boy, we're living in a fast-paced world now. Uh, you know, it used to be simple. Website, phone number, yeah. email. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of, uh, my I, my website presence has, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside. I just rely on uh, Facebook in terms of uh, a presence on the web. Okay. But... Uh, and 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 on the Facebook page is a you know a phone number they can and an email address where they can contact me. But I th- it's just a mis- to me as a 20th century guy, man. Uh, Google, TripAdvisor, Yelp. Uh, I've had lots of good publicity over the years. So if you you know if you can't find me, you just Google me. I you know I don't necessarily do it myself, but Google myself. But. Uh, so just electronically, it's yeah. just out there, you know, mm-hmm. because I've been at it for so long, and you know, a lot of uh, articles and publicity and uh, it just kind of floats out there. Triple A, Lonely Planet guidebook, you know, all those things uh, I got, you know, published I mean, in. And after this, I mean, at least one person is going to hear. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, these things, you'd be surprised. We all, as we all know, it's you just surprised where these things filter out to. Our listener know? is a uh, is. <laughs> it all it all 
It all can, you know it all builds up to the bigger picture, man. That's right. Uh, That's cool. Uh, Instagram, yeah. So so just Facebook. I, uh, I'm um, not on. I, I've got an Instagram account, but I don't use it actively. Uh -huh. I don't. I'm not even really proactive on Facebook. It's just that I have a presence there, and they can see pictures and see, yeah. and people yeah. can make comments there, and 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 uh, you know. Uh, but that's uh, but uh, I don't have a booking agent. I don't nothing like that. Just I mean, direct, people, right? Yeah. People call on the phone. And and, typically, uh, how, how long did the tours last? Uh, well, man, I'm, uh, in the beginning, I was doing a lot of different things. You know, uh, Nashville to Memphis to New Orleans, a ten day run, uh, day long tours down through the Memphis Mississippi Delta, uh, just exploring where Muddy Waters came from and BB King. Uh, but it's kind of boiled down to my standard city tour is about three hours long. Okay, um, and that seems to be about right amount of time for people it serves as an orientation to Memphis you come into Memphis you're going to spend three or four days here you take my tour on the first day you're going to see where things are where the museums are you know a couple of recommendations for music and restaurants and you kind of get to feel the town and then you go off on your own to Graceland or yeah. you know Beale Street you kind of get the backstory and don't necessarily need me to you know take yeah. you through those experiences uh, so that, that's kind of what it's uh, boiled down to but I'd like to get back to I, I've, I like those bigger you know uh, I just had a tour two weeks ago a couple hired me to drive them from Memphis to New Orleans yeah uh, we you know it was a that was a five-day run yeah and uh, that was I like those I like that I like the bigger the adventure the better I like it no doubt hey uh, I'd feel bad if I didn't ask so barbecue eats what you know what what what's your uh what's your take what what, what are your faves dangerous man come on um <laughs> I, man there's some you know i mean memphis has got new orleans has that you know i mean there's some down-home cooking in new orleans for sure but yeah. i mean there's some fine dining experiences in new orleans mm -hmm. not that there's not fine dining experiences in new orleans in, in memphis but uh down-home cooking man you know, soul food restaurants. The Gay Hawk on Danny Thomas is a legendary soul food restaurant that I love to go to. Mm. Again, because the character, it's been there since 1951. Uh, a lot of people that go there uh, and eat lunch, it, you know, successful black businessmen, preachers, uh, interesting characters that, you know, you get into some really cool conversations. Plus, the food's good. I mean, it's, you know, fried chicken, collard greens, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, Cozy Corner, I got to say, uh, Cozy, Cozy Corner, Corner, you know, Payne's, uh, Dr. Barbecued, you know, his truck. He's got, a, he's got, uh, he bought a surplus, it's basically kind of a school bus, but it was a school bus style bus that was converted into uh, or built that way to be a, a city ambulance or a vehicle that they could take out to you know on a country routes and do clinics yeah. out of it and it was surplus and he bought it and converted that into his barbecue uh business Truck, yeah and he calls himself dr barbecue because it was a former you know uh, right uh, ambulance that he's in but uh he he parks that bus uh down on uh um uh, Bellevue, I think uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard. Hmm. Uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard, you know, as you get close to the interstate, there's a, uh, not Salvation Army, a DAV. Uh, people go there a lot to, you know, secondhand clothes and stuff like that. Uh, do you know where Dr. Champion's Pharmacy is on uh, Elvis <laughs> Presley Boulevard? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's if you get to, if you're going out toward Graceland and you get to I-240, you've gone too far. You've passed uh, Dr. Barbecue's barbecue joint. Uh, cool. His bus. Yeah. It's, it's mobile. He's good. Uh, I mean, he's, he's great. But, uh, <coughs> um, that's the kind of food I, you know. That's great. I, I go, I mean, hot wings, you know, barbecue. Uh, that's just, that's, that's what we, that's where we're masters at. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas in, you know, New Orleans, they're masters at, you know jambalaya uh, whatever you know i mean there's not that you can't find that stuff around here but uh we are masters at uh you know hot wings barbecue soul food those are my top three man i gotta check out uh, the gay hawk that sounds gay awesome. yeah, great right. man yeah. hey, uh, charlie pride before you 
before Charlie Pride became a country and western star, uh, he was a, in the Negro League baseball. He was a baseball player. I don't know if you knew that or not. And he played for the Memphis team. And this, the Black Negro League baseball stadium in Memphis was at the corner of uh, Danny Thomas and Crump. There's a big Mack truck dealership there now. Hmm. And that's where the Black Negro League baseball team played. And just down the street is the Gayhawk restaurant. Wow. And Charlie Pride went in there regularly to eat and he met the wait the waitress that was working in there he fell in love with her and married her that became he he met his wife at the gay hawk wow. and there's 50 some years later they're still they're still married uh but things like that ike turner hung out there uh it was a nightclub uh, lots of lots of stories about the gay hawk uh, it was a legendary place but uh, uh four-way grill mississippi boulevard four-way grill legendary you know soul food cooking a little farther afield man you ever been to the blue and white cafe in tunica absolutely oh yeah. that buffet kicks ass man <laughs> i love I, I, good I, patty melt yeah 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 is that every day or only on sundays every, every day every day every, huh? every day man it's a great place for breakfast great breakfast there uh but uh, their buffet is good man that's cool yeah man tad no. thank you oh go ahead no i was just i mean just in a conversational mode but i mean i, I mean uh are there any other you know i mean in terms of restaurants and you know food like that uh there's the uh there's a dive bar that we've got to hit at it about 45 minutes yeah Guys, got to go to work. Yeah, we we got to do some playing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we got to do a little. Uh, bit I mean, you know, not to knock the Soul Burger at Ernestine and Hazel. Sure, man. At nice. two a.m., you know, that saved my life a number of times, man. <laughs> you know, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, uh, opening your home and studio to us uh, I, today, and, and uh, we will post your Facebook uh, link. Thanks for that. I appreciate oh, that. Definitely, man. Yeah. And have people get a hold of you and and. Uh, well, I think pictures what you guys, of your uh, work here, if you don't mind. I mean, please do, man. Yeah. I, and I'm, I, I think what you guys are doing is real adventuresome, and uh, you know, uh, a good thread running through it, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Till we meet again. Awesome. Tad, thank you for the beers and the conversation and the conversation and um, and the surroundings. I. Yeah, we took some pictures. Well, did we put some up? Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we got them up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, reach out to Tad at. Uh, American Dream Safari uh, Facebook and and or uh, online uh, memphistravel.com slash American Dream Safari you can see his art throughout the city yes his tire art yes um, you'll probably see him in a really cool vintage car just kind of bouncing around the city it's worth your time and your dollar to reach out to him book a tour and have him just talk see you next time see you